Welcome back, Human Rights Defenders, to the official Justice Upheld podcast. My name is Russell Turner, and as well as being a trustee and advisor for Justice Upheld, I have the privilege of also being your host for what is episode three of series one. Thank you for being with us today. Now, if you've been a follower or supporter of Justice Upheld for any length of time, you will know that our raison d'etre, our reason for being, is giving a voice to the voiceless when it comes to protecting and standing up for them and their human rights. And a lot of the people we help worldwide are not only downtrodden and abused, but quietly so in most cases. Unfortunately, there is a feeling in some parts of the world that if an individual is a victim of a human rights abuse, then this is just their fate and it's a part of life. Well, thanks in part to the work that we do, more people are finding their voices and deciding to stand up for themselves, but more remarkably, they're standing up to protect others too. And that is why the work of human rights defenders has no end for the foreseeable future, unfortunately, despite the distractions going on in the world. And in around three weeks' time, talking of distractions, on the 20th of November, 2022 to be precise, one of those distractions will begin in the Middle East because the 2022 FIFA World Cup will begin with its first match in Doha, which is the capital of Qatar. It's been estimated that Qatar has spent somewhere between 200 and 300 billion dollars preparing for this football tournament since they won the rights to do so back in 2010. But there's another huge cost that has not been as well publicised and that is the number of migrant workers that have died so far in order for Qatar to hold this sporting event. Eight huge, magnificent, full-size stadiums have been constructed over the last 12 years as well as all the accompanying roads, buildings and infrastructure that come along with it. But when asked how many men have died in facilitating the spending of this $300 billion over the last 12 years, the government there seemed to be very sure of the number. They claim that that number is free. Free people. What? Qatari officials don't tell us though is that this is just the free people that have died within the footprint of one of the new eight brand new stadiums being built. So thanks to some investigative journalists that have painstakingly sifted through the bureaucratic nightmare that is Qatari government figures as well as liaising closely with many embassies, the real figure of the number of men that have died in order for Qatar to host this event is at least 3,000. 3,000 people. That's equivalent to another 9-11. We know that in total, I'm going to hit you with a few facts and figures now, so bear with me. But it's important. We know that in total 15,021 people who migrated to Qatar died between 2010 and 2019 and the authorities seem to be doing their level best to obscure the exact number 
that have died on infrastructure projects with a 2022 deadline. Now the embassies of India, Pakistan, Nepal, Bangladesh and Sri Lanka have confirmed that a total of 6,750 people have died countrywide for any reason working in any industry of any age so not specifically working on FIFA World Cup projects and there are a dozen more countries sending migrant workers to the country including the Philippines, Kenya and Ghana so without a doubt that 6,750 figure is much higher. Now one of the things we find most concerning is the serious lack of detail surrounding the deaths of a large proportion of these workers since 2011. The deaths of no less than 2,823 foreign workers across all of Qatar, so not just those working on World Cup projects, remain what can only be described as unexplained since 2011, or as the Qatari government officially call it, they are, and I quote, unclassified. So whether the real number stands at three, as the government claims, or if the number is in the thousands, as some human rights investigators have claimed, serious questions about the welfare and the lack of a duty of care offered to these people who leave their families, leave their homes, leave their countries, remain unanswered. And we put it to you, friends, that if new roads, new hotels, new airports, new stadiums, as well as whole new towns and cities have been built around World Cup venues, then surely this work should be properly regarded as related to the World Cup. Every single one of these people deserve to have these questions of their families answered, and they themselves deserve to have people fighting for them, even in death. The six security guards, for example, including three from Kenya, who all died when the minibus they had been supplied with crashed, whilst on their way to guard construction sites, those six men are not in the official World Cup death toll, for example. What's even more tragic is that this fatal accident of a crashed minibus was completely unnecessary, as it was caused by brake failure brake failure through poor maintenance. None of the 551 suicides of working age foreigners in Qatar since 2011 have been counted as World Cup related, despite the countless testimonies from the surviving families back home in their respective countries of origin. Stories talking about how their sons, brothers, fathers, uncles and husbands had all taken their own lives through the utter despair that they were living through, from their horrific working conditions, the punishing hours, the relentless heat, the unpaid wages and the bleak futures that they faced. It's not even as simple as life and death though, as we haven't even begun to talk about the severe life-changing workplace injuries that have happened over the same time period, have we? Now, our rights may very well die with us, but it's perfectly reasonable to assume that the duties of the state should in some cases carry on. 
Dr. David Bailey is a leading pathologist and he's a member of the World Health Organization's working group on deaf certification. When he was asked last week about the lack of analysis surrounding the thousands of deaths of migrants in Qatar, he said the following. The causes of death are non-specific to the point of having no value other than to suggest that the certifying doctors did not know the underlying reasons why the person died. End quote. Qatari law needs to change, requiring the proper investigations into all sudden or unexplained deaths and provide a medically meaningful cause of death. The three World Cup deaths that Qatar admit to were construction workers Amil Human Passman in 2016, Tej Ray and Faru in 2018, both from Nepal, and Zach Cox from Britain in 2017. The people that have died and continue to die whilst working 12-hour days in 45 degree centigrade, that's 113 degree Fahrenheit heat, all whilst thousands of miles from their home, deserve much better than to lose their lives supporting the entertainment of football fans and for the vanity of the government of Qatar. This wouldn't be the Justice Upheld podcast without a fascinating interview and this episode is no different. My friend and colleague Palak Koshik recently sat down with a truly remarkable man to talk about his life and work and when you hear all of his accomplishments you'll either feel one of two ways. You'll either feel like you haven't done enough to make the world a better place or you'll be truly inspired by what this man has achieved. Or maybe both. The man in question is a member of parliament for the Candomel constituency in Lok Sabha. He's a social worker, a humanitarian, an entrepreneur. He's been conferred with over 50 international awards, over 200 state awards, the highest civilian awards from Bahrain to Mongolia, not to mention no less than 49 honorary doctorates from universities across India and the world. He is the president of Democracy Without Borders and the founder of Parliamentarians for Indigenous People. But his most well-known work is the founding of two universities. So without further ado, this is Justice Upheld's Palak Kushik talking to Atchut Samanta. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening from wherever the world you are. This is Palak Kaushik and here I am recording another very fun podcast for our Justice Upheld podcast channel. Today I have with me a very dynamic personality who is truly an inspiration for the world. So without further ado, I would like to introduce Sri Achyut Samanta who is the founder of Kalinga Institute of Industrial Technology and Kalinga Institute of Social Science. Welcome to our podcast Thank sir. Thank you very much. He is also the president of Volleyball Federation of India and KISS recently won uh, UNESCO International, International Literary, Literary Prize. Yes sir. Very very congratulations for you, that you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. So when I was going through your profile, I got to know that 
Kiss is a home for more than 30,000 indigenous children, where you provide free education, accommodation, food to tribal children. So, what is it? So, it is clear that you have a heart for people that are vulnerable and needy. So, can you please uh, tell us how you came to develop this passion? So, thank you, Miss Palak, being such a young and also continuing as a student of law. You have developed your this type of things. Thank you, so sir. So at the outset, I thank you very much. Thank you, sir. And second thing, uh, this case you have told, it is home for 70,000 now indigenous children. 40,000 already passed out and 30,000 in the uh, campus. Still uh, yeah. continuing their studies. Yeah, yeah. Okay, sir. It is always 30,000 in the campus, always. Okay, okay, sir. 60% of them are girls. So anyhow, you have... Um, Asked also, it is from Odisha, it is from the 10 to 15 other states, the students are here in KISS, okay, because it is also universities, KISS, KISS itself is also the universities, it is the only tribal university in the entire world that to fully free, fully residential. So you have asked the very nice questions, how I have developed this passion uh, to serve the poor uh, or downtrodden whatever the things, you see only widow knows where the pinches, yes. shoe pinches. So, when I was child, so I knew how it hurts, humiliates a child when he or she is really poor and brought up in the midst of severe poverty, hunger, illiteracy, etc. So, when I was child also, I was also brought up in the same condition from the age of my four because I lost my father when I was only four years old. So we were all seven brothers and sisters and also widow mother. You can easily imagine during 1970. So when there was no concept of anything from the government or anything else. Yes. So in the remote village we all were brought up working here and there. So I had undergone the struggles like anything and poverty I uh, um, describe in two lines only. That we all were so poor we are not getting even one square meal in two days and my mother had no second pair of sari to change after bath. So that type of poverty I had seen from my childhood till my college level. So it was always in my mind to do something for the poorest of the poor in the society. So that passion is with me from my childhood. As you have asked, uh, why is so that, that passion is within me from my childhood. So that's why when I became something, I tried to implement my passion for the same category people, many poor people in the society. So can you tell us how you feel about leading a life of service where you are providing free food and education to children? Can you share any positive anecdote with us which was rewarding? You see that I, I told you that um, this tendency or this quality has been developed from my childhood that to serve the people maybe with food or shelter or dress or particularly over and all education. So that's why that many service quality or tendency have been developed. And another thing you see, Odisha is a state. It was the poorest state in those days. Now it is developing. 25% population approximately belong to this category, indigenous category tribals. And at that time, we started in 92-93, at that time 
if people know the condition of Odisha and also the condition of indigenous people, tribals, they are totally isolated, they live in the dense forest, they don't have idea about the rest part of the country, they fill up their stomachs with forest products. So, because they are the most poverty-stricken, hunger, illiteracy, ignorance and they live with the superstition. So, all these things were coined yes. with these tribal people and their children. So, I decided to serve the poorest of the poor and at that time the tribals are the poorest or marginalized completely. That's why I first tried my level best because it was not uh, so easy to convince the tribal children in those days. Now it is globalization, everything is very awareness, so everybody knows. At that time it was completely they were in the dark and 93, 94, 92, 95, 96, they are completely in the dark. So it was very Herculean tax to convince the parents, those who are really illiterate and ignorant, to send their children to keys for education, etc. But we could overcome the, all these obstacles, whatever the things, we put our all effort and we bring the children, tribal children to Kish and now it has started and now the rest part is the... Rest is going yeah, on. The rest is going on. Uh, human rights are universal, sir. Yeah. So, what are your thoughts on educating for peace and equality in the world? You see, if these children will be literate, then only all these things will be taken care of. Unless until they are educated, they don't have any idea about the human rights or the peace or security or harmony, all these things. So, I, I have been doing the fundamental things, educating the illiterate to know entire world. So, that is the fundamental thing. Unless until one ch child is having the fundamental rights, that is the education, yes. then he cannot know the human rights or whatever you are asking me. So, I have been working the fundamental things of the child that is educating them and that to quality education by which they can know all these things. Yes, sir. There is still a lot of hesitation among people regarding education for girls in India. Still now, we are in uh, 2022 and still now there is a lot of hesitation. Although many awareness campaigns and NGOs have been able to provide primary education. so. And many still don't get allowance for uh, higher education or secondary education. There is still an issue where girls are put through education for namesake, like for their marriage, they'll get married into a very nice, rich, nice and rich household. So how big is this problem and how could we do better for female population in India in regards to education? You have asked the very nice questions that practically in India yes, sir. and also many other countries, girls education was very hesitant from the yes, parents, sir. from the society, everybody. And it's very crucial. Yeah, very days. crucial. But now, in the developing stage, girls' education has become also rampant, very good things. And you will be happy to know that we have been working only for girls' education for the last 30 years. Why? We know, because it is my feeling, if one boy is poor and illiterate, he can earn his livelihood being a daily laborer. But if one girl is poor and illiterate, her life will be worse than a bonded level. That's why we empower, educate and enable girls more than the boys. That's why in our case, 60% of the total student strength belong to girls category. And as you have asked, that till date, 
the girls' education is not so successful, etc. But I, I can say that girls' education has become successful now. Because you see in any organizations, institute, etc., girls are more than the boys now. But girls are doing better than the boys now. There is not a single profession including defense services. ऑलमोस्ट ओवर in another few years the girls will surpass the boys in all aspects now they have surpassed in many aspects they will surpass in all aspects the education system in india does not contain value based or skill based education like uh, earning livelihood how to earn money we child's education is very important and as long as the adults are left reading many things that do not teach them life skills or any money making skills so therefore i believe this is the reason why people often choose wrong careers and sometimes remain unemployed so is there truth in this matter and if so what needs to change immediately you see in india education government has given priority to education in much late hour the way in western in many world or the us or entire europe etc you see their most priority is the education suppose you are staying in london in entire europe and particularly united kingdom london education is the top priority most of the economy coming from the education yes sir millions of students are coming from across the world to uk or the us that was not in india so that's why india education is maximum 150 60 years our oldest university is 150 160 years Calcutta Madras Mumbai University so as education started getting relevance in later part of the, in india that's why whatever i'm asking with respect to skill education quality education it is also getting delayed but now government of india is very serious they have come with a new education policy known as nep national education policy where all these things have been added whatever you are telling skill education value based education all these things have been added in national education policy when we lay so much emphasis on education in this country so what about the outcome of the education like uh, society has become very technology driven and it's going towards modern modernization very speedy superstitious have decreased but contrary to that crime rates are increasing every day so the education the value based education or skill based education whatever education we are getting what about the outcome of that education you see education has always very good outcome because when the children will be educated then automatically they will be asset to the country or to the nation suppose one family has five children if they are not educated instead of dividend there will be there will be disaster similarly in india is known as young country young country young country if this young mass will not be properly taken care of 
if young mass will be taken care of they will be dividend to country or the india if they will be not properly taken care of they will be disaster to the nation in the future so that's why education is always good you know and with respect to crime rate etc even there is no education also crime rate would have been more i hope so as there is good education and it is for maximum children so crime rate is there but it is i i, I hope so it, it must have been less than the without education but you see there are uh, criminals who are mostly juvenile these days yeah juvenile it is not for india i think it is more for the other countries also advanced countries and we 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 see news from the media etc how in us this university or college or school student at times fire like anything and yes, the, yeah but that things is not uh, prevailing in india till date all these things so crime rate we should not mane correlate with the education i but think but so. education uh, the outcome of the education should be like outcome of the education is always good if there would not be education then india would not have been developed like this india is developed only because of the education you can see before 30 years before 20 years india was india was not so developed now its uh, position is fifth position uh, in economy in the entire world so it is possible only because of education only the more and more and more number of students or the children are educated so outcome is always very good we should not compare the outcome of education with a little bit crime rate or whatever the things you are telling a thing yes sir because the i know the more education more develop why europe and us entire europe us australia canada they are much developed than india because they advance in education only they are much advance in education so the more education more prosperity and development and individuals who sustain from the outcome of that uh, Haan, definitely. education so when the government spent so much in education and uh, uh, education is a very crucial matter in the legislative body as fast as the private education system is being made and is increasing why the government is not growing and why there so much issue with primary and secondary education from government schools do we need these things do we need government See, schools now government slowly slowly giving much emphasis on promotion of education promotion of quality education promotion of skill education all these things india is a very huge country with 1.3 or 1.4 billion populations it is not like uk or any other countries so india is a very huge country and it was not so developed country like you live in so it is slowly slowly developing when it is not so developed definitely its primary secondary whatever asking they are also not so developed so that's why there there are little bit issues going on but now government is giving much emphasis on primary education and so also it is known as anganwadi that is the nursery education yes, anganwadi nursery education so in the coming few years definitely education system uh, in india will be much better because both state government and also the central government both the governments are giving much emphasis on promotion and quality of education what about the private institution growing very private fast private institution you see private institutions play 
very good role, major role. Unless until there is private players, one cannot grow. Why the education system is so good in UK, US, and other um, parts of the globe? Because most of the players, private players. In all the top class university in US, UK also the private universities. But in India, private players came much later. In the last 20-25 years only, 30 years maximum, all the private players have come up. And you can think of even Harvard, MIT, Bagara there, or Oxford, Cambridge, there all 800, 900, 300, 400 years. So private players I have seen in India, it is maximum 30 years, like us. Before that, there was not so many, only one, two maximum. So private players' role is much important in India because here the uh, percentage of children or whatever the things, volume is very big. Unless until the private players would have been here, there would not have been so much education in India. So because of private players, the thousands and th or millions and millions children are educated. It is not possible on the part of the government to provide the education to all the millions and millions children aspiring for the education. So, what about the transgender education? What are your thoughts about it? You see, transgender education also, they are also getting education and you will be happy to know that I have been also promoting the transgenders. I am the first uh, private organization in the entire state or I can say in the entire country to provide employment to the transgender in our campus, Kit and Kiss. So, transgender education is also going on uh, nicely, there is no problem in India. But in many parts of India, they are uh, thrown out of the institution and... No, 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 it is not like this. I hope so. Because we are in the education line, we don't see anything. Sir, regarding the education, when they are going for any admission or something, like recently I came uh, in Tamil Nadu, there is a transgender called Rihana Irfan. She was thrown out of the shelter home and it may be exceptional cases i think so because there is no problem to transgender education it may be exceptional case now government is also giving priority or emphasis for the transgender people and their transgender education whatever they are telling so now it's government is also taking care of them okay sir so as india celebrated its 75th year of independence how do you feel India can best prepare for development of education sector and sports sector? Now you see I have already told you again I am repeating now India is giving much emphasis on quality wow. education also and also sports in large. Yes. That's why government of India has come up with a good proposal that is the new education policy. New education policy is very good. It caters to the needs of the students and it is just like US and Europe uh, education policy it, it is new policy so definitely in the coming years educationally good and with respect to sports also all the state government or the government of india is giving much emphasis on the promotion of sports among the youth because sports uh, along with education will give the complete solution to the country so government of india is also promoting sports like anything so what do you think india would be after five years where india would be india will be developed country after five years because all types of development is going on gdp is increasing and also economy is also increasing so definitely india will be developed country after five years because 
as we know the government of india is fixed to have the 5 trillion economy uh, by 2024 or 25 so definitely after 5 years the uh, india will be development thank you so much sir for interacting there with us there is no question on kit and kiss sir you already answered their question transgender question yes. thank you very much uh, for your all effort and initiative to come from the burgad yes sir. from such a distant place and <laughs> having this type of interactive session thank you God so bless much you. sir for interacting with us god bless you grow and again we'll thank you very much Well, that's it for episode three. Thank you for joining us. You can follow Justice Upheld on your favourite social media channels. Just look for at justice underscore upheld. Or you can email me directly, russell at justiceupheld.org.uk. That's R-U-S-S-E-L-L at justiceupheld.org.uk. Until next time.